0: Okay, y'all, at the time of recording this, we still do not have a president. And I feel some kind of way about that. <laughs> I I don't know what to say on that front, but we're going to keep rolling. So we are getting to the end of my first set of interviews, And what I think I am going to do is just take a little bit of a break. So this is the next to the last episode of the season. Now, when I say the season, it's not going to be a whole six months before I do other interviews for this. I plan to do more interviews. And so what I'm going to do is just take a little bit of time off to conduct my research and conduct my interviews, and I will be back with you in the near future. Uh, There are two more episodes, this one, and I have one more. But for now, I am going to talk about my conversation with my friend, Dwayne Dixon. So Dwayne Dixon is somebody that I have known from the fifth quarter, from way back in the day. He was one of the people that supported the site from the beginning. He marched for Southern University and he marched in the late 70s. And it's really going to be interesting to hear his story about how he got to Southern. He's originally from Chicago. I'm not going to talk about it too much, I let him take it away, but it was just really interesting to see where his path ended up after he marched for Southern. So let's go ahead and roll the footage of my interview with Dwayne Dixon. I am here with a buddy of mine who I haven't talked to in a while, but it's always good to catch up with him. Um, his name is Dwayne Dixon. He is a graduate of Southern University And he marched in the late 70s, I believe. Am I right?
1: Late 70s.
0: Okay, late 70s. Okay. And he's done a lot of real interesting things in his life. You know, he is a pastor now, and then he also has his own podcast, which I'm going to let him um, talk about in a sec. Um, and then also, he was the executive director of IOTA Phi Theta. That's correct. At one time, and now you're like on the national board, right?
1: I am the grand historian for IOTA Phi Theta.
0: Okay, the grand historian. So yeah, all this from a fellow bandhead. So um, Dwayne, why don't we get started by um, you telling me a little bit about like, and what instrument did you play again? Was it trombone?
1: I played trombone. Yes, I did.
0: Okay, yeah, trombone. I I didn't want to make a (laughs) mistake. Let's talk about um, what made you want to choose the trombone. And when did you first learn how to play it? Like, What, how, what age were you?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, I actually, I went to a school called Whitney Young Magnet School, Magnet High School in Chicago. Okay. And Whitney Young, I graduated from the first graduating class. Whitney Young is famous because Michelle Obama went there. Yes. Mm-hmm. As, as a matter of fact, Michelle Obama and I were there at the same time, but in the spirit of full disclosure, um, when I was a senior, she was a freshman, so I didn't know she was alive. Okay. <laughs> um, but what's funny about that is I know some people who ran in her circles, and they will tell you that even then, Michelle Robinson was something special. But when I transferred to Whitney Young, you know, I, um, I, I called myself want to be a drummer. Um, I had been in summer band like the year before I got to Whitney Young, and I said I wanted to to play the drums. Well, Mm -hmm. the first day of band, there was like 15 guys lined up back there by the drums. And my band director said, no, tell you what, this trombone, though. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. he made the choice for me, and and it turned out to be a very good choice.
0: Okay, good. So what grade was this? Was it ninth grade for you, or was it like sixth grade?
1: No, this was actually um, 10th grade. This was after my freshman year going into my sophomore year.
0: Oh my goodness! okay, so just you you only got started a couple of years before you ended up going to college.
1: That's exactly right,
0: yeah, so what was your high school band like?
1: My high school band um my band director was actually a gramblingite okay. and and when you look at high school bands in Chicago in the mid to late seventies, you had a whole cadre of band directors that had come from HBCUs. Um, you had Mr. Naylor out of Tennessee State. Um, you had Mr. Taylor out of, my gosh, I mean, a whole bunch of them. But my band director, Ivory Brock, there was a band director at school called Chicago Vocational, CVS, which some people remember. Harold Bray, rest his soul, was Brock's roommate, as a matter of fact. And he They went to Grambling together. And then there was another gentleman, Dr. Miller, who was a couple of years before them at Grambling. So they brought that whole hbcu band aesthetic to chicago and there was a lot of that going on so i i marched in a band that was a grambling clone in high school
0: oh okay so y'all definitely did the high step and the playing the top 40 and the dancing and all that
1: all of that stuff without a doubt
0: okay okay so you know you're choosing thinking of colleges to go to what what made you choose southern
1: oh this is a good story this is a really good story i um I had actually been selected to go to Northern Illinois University. I mean, I had been accepted. I had a dorm assignment. I had a little Northern Illinois University jacket. So we're, you know, in May of 1978, and my band director took us on our senior trip, which was a band trip throughout Louisiana. So we, I believe we played a concert at Alexandria. We played a concert at Grambling and mm-hmm. then we played a concert at Grambling Lab School. And then the last concert we were going to play, we went to Southern University and we played a concert at Southern. So mm-hmm. we played a concert and, and it's all well and good. And afterwards, um, we went into the band room and Dr. Gregs had these videotapes of Southern's band. Well, this is pre-YouTube, okay? We mm-hmm. had never seen Southern's band. We were completely hyped up on Grambling. But he showed us those tapes of Southern University Marching Band. And it was like, oh, my goodness. It was like that energy, that fire, that whole thing. It was like, you know, this is kind of cool. And the other thing that had happened, K.K. Psy line had just gone over like the week before. Mm-hmm. So they were wide open. And they did a step show for us. And I had never seen a step show before. Oh. And. Oh, I had never in my life, and I saw that, and like that evening, I was on the phone with my mother, Mama. I want to come down here and do this. So you know, this is May, and August is Crab Week, and I'm at Southern University, so that's oh, that's wow. how I ended up going down there.
0: Oh wow, that's a great story. <laughs> yeah. okay. okay, so you're you're down at Southern. It's your it's your freshman year, well, your crab year, mm-hmm. and you know, and what year is this for my? This is
1: 1978.
0: Okay, so 78. So is, so I'm so curious to find out, like, what, what was it like? I mean, what was your, 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 your camp or some places call it pre-drill or, you know, basically like your band camp? What was that like?
1: Truth be known, it was easy. Um, and that's not to say that band camp was easy. It was very difficult. But because I had been indoctrinated into that kind of experience in high school, I was in fantastic shape. You know, I was close to the top of my playing chops, Mm -hmm. but I was not surprised by anything that happened. You know, our band, Mr. Brock, you know, our high school band camps were raw, okay? Mm -hmm. So when I got to Southern's band camp, it it wasn't easy, but it was no big deal. It was right in stride. I was very well prepared, and I had a ball.
0: Okay, good. So let's talk about that that crab year, that freshman year. (laughs) So are there any games that stood out to you? Like, what was it like the first time you, you know, did the Bayou Classic or what, what was it like the first time you played Jackson State? Or can you talk about some games that were real memorable?
1: Okay. Let's start with the very first game. The very first game was against Texas Southern in the Astrodome. okay? Okay. If you remember the old Astrodome, the interesting thing about the Astrodome was that when you came in, you came in like at street level, but you went down a series of ramps um, to get down to the field level, and we're marching in there, and it's, Ay-o. Ay-o. <laughs> and it's echoing, and all of that is happening. And when we came in through the tunnel, the whole Astrodome lost their mind just because we marched in. I mean, I almost stopped marching. It was I mean, that was a really, really cool experience. But, okay, you want a memorable story. Here's a good one for you. We played Texas Southern that Saturday and we stayed over till Sunday um, for the Houston Oilers football game. So, you know, we played halftime for that, but what happened was, you know how the Southern university drum major comes out and he does the back bend and touches his hat to the ground. Well, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason when we did the Texas Southern, I'm sorry, we did the Houston Oilers game on Sunday, the band, uh, the, the drum major came out. He didn't do the back band. He just, oh. I mean, he just blew us and we went down the field and great show. Outstanding show. I mean, we, we killed it with a KILT. Really, really good show. Get back to campus. Everybody's excited because we got Houston to Baton Rouge. Wasn't long. We got back about nine 30, um, Sunday night, 10 o'clock. Well, what ended up happening was Dr. Greggs was angry with um the gentleman who was drum major and he zipped him and by the way in southern university Bam, you say zip that mean kick you out he zipped fred <laughs> he zipped fred for not bending his back and you know as crabs we like what happened mm-hmm. you know we get the band rehearsal the next day and everything is all crazy the upper class that are mad because you know fred was their boy and this and that the crabs don't know what to do well, what ended up happening at that Friday, that, that Monday afternoon band practice, most of the upperclassmen walked out. They literally walked out. So what you're left with is about 72 people, primarily KK Psy and crabs. Um, And, you know, we had a great week of rehearsal. And in the meantime, it's in the school newspaper about the band and walked out the whole ball of wax. It's this huge, big deal. Right. Um, but we had a great week of rehearsal. We went out there 72 strong that Saturday. As as Dr. Greggs would say, we brought natural smoke and, you know, actually had a good week. And what ended up happening the following week, you know, the upper class would start coming back in dribs and drabs and, and Doc let them back in the band. But as a crab, that was like, a total eye-opener, okay? Mm-hmm. But, you know, par for the course of Southern's band. So that was certainly memorable. Wow. Um, first Bayou Classic I played in, we did a total Teddy Pendergrass show. And actually, that was a repeat because we had done that show for Homecoming against Jackson State, as a matter of fact. Matter of fact, I remember they played first and they did the Tiger Run-On. That's mm-hmm. the first time I'd ever seen it. I was like, ooh, that's kind of fly. Mm-hmm. But we first drill was um, Teddy Pendergrass, um, Life is a Song Worth Singing. Second drill was the circle drill, but the slow circle to Teddy Pendergrass, It Don't Hurt Now, Mm -hmm. Um, brought it to concert formation, and Clarence Creighton from Reserve, Louisiana, um, sang Close the Door, okay? (laughs) And blew up the spot. And then we closed out with the dance routine, Get Down, Get Funky, Get Loose. Um, And he sang that as well. Total smoke. Jackson State. Matter of fact, if you talk to some people from Jackson State to this day, they'll just put their heads in their hands and say, yeah, man, that was a, that was a rough day for us in Baton Rouge. Ooh, I,
0: need to, I need to find some Jackson State folks. I mean, the Jackson State folks I know marched like in the late 80s, mm-hmm. um, on moving on to the 90s and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I need to find somebody that marched back in that day yeah, so, we, so I can get that validated right yeah, there.
1: We, we crushed them boys <laughs> that day. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't none but a thing. So just when I think about performances that just off the top of my Head stand out. Those are two.
0: Okay, okay, that's really good. So tell me about Doctor Greggs. Like, what was his personality like? I, mean, I, have, I have an inkling because I've, I've intera- I interacted with him with the Fifth Quarter, but I'm gonna let you say it.
1: <laughs> oh man, Doctor Greggs, Doctor Isaac Greggs. What can I say about him that was hasn't already been said? Doctor Greggs was a force of nature and understand doc wasn't a big man. He was kind of small and slight, Mm -hmm. um, but a force of nature and, and Dr. Greggs had a way of building you up and breaking you down and building you up all over again. Um, and it's been said more than once, even if you come back years later, doc could tell you where you were from, what year you marched and what you're doing right now. I mean, he just, he, He had a love for Southern University. He had a love for the band. He had a love for bandsmen that was just unmatched. Because what you got to remember is a whole bunch of cats in Southern's band, that was the first model of manhood that they had ever had. And there's a whole bunch of other cats at Southern who were in school specifically because they were in the band. So, I mean, that's Doc knew that. And Doc knew that this was a, a mechanism to get young Black folks educated. And he would always say, listen, I'm not interested in whether or not you're going to be a music major. That's that's not what this is about. This is about teaching you life skills. I mean, you know, Doc used to always say two things. He would say, if you're on time, you're late. You got to be at the right place at the right time with the right equipment, ready to concentrate. I mean, that was right. Doc. <laughs>
0: I've heard this phrase all through the years of me following bands from Southern folk. They, they say that phrase all the time,
1: all the time. That was doc. That was what doc was about. I mean, you know, we could go on and on and on what I would tell your listeners to do when doc passed away, um, a guy who graduated from Southern, gosh, I can't remember his name. He graduated years after I did, um, KKSI guy, KKSI frat brother. He's also an Omega, but he's a very highly accomplished um, minister. And he did a eulogy for Dr. Greggs that is a 10-minute masterpiece.
0: Oh, wow. Now you you got me going to look. Now you you got me wanting to
1: look it up. I promise you, if you go find that eulogy, you're going to call me and say, oh, Dwayne, my goodness. I mean, it's just because, you know, eulogies tend to be very, very sad things. Mm-hmm. He so beautifully captured the essence of what Doctor Doctor Isaac Greggs was about. It's about it's on YouTube. If you Doctor Isaac Gregg's eulogy, if you Google it, you'll find it. It's a, it's a ten minute investment that I promise you you'll enjoy.
0: Wow, wow! So he he, I know he made a huge impact on his students, and so I wanted to ask you: When you were marching, was the band all male except for the dolls, obviously?
1: Absolutely positively without a doubt all male yes
0: okay okay that's that's interesting um (laughs) it's just a different experience obviously than i've had for obvious reasons but um okay yeah so what how do you how do you think that that influenced you know the southern band the fact that you were all guys (sighs)
1: it was a very testosterone-fueled kind of experience, okay? There was a
0: hardness
1: that existed that because you didn't have to be polite to the ladies, and I'm not saying that women in the band, that's, I'm, not, I'm not even in, on that, but because you had a bunch of hard legs um, in the band, there was just an edge to the band that, that, that existed. Because what you got to understand, I mean, typical Southern, what we would do, is, you know, you would have you go out on the, on the practice field from four to six and work on the field show and then go have dinner and come back at like maybe seven o'clock and go from like seven to ten in the band room. And that was every night that was, you know, on Mondays, we didn't do a field. um We didn't go out on the field. We would always review the tape from the previous weekend. But Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, now Friday, what we would do. It's Friday. We would go out from 4 to 6, go to the dining hall, but then after dinner, we would go back to the field to polish the show some more for the next day. So we'd be out on the field from like 7 to 8.30, 7 to 9, and then we would go to the band room 9, 9.30, and we would run repertoire. And what mm-hmm. that meant was that we would play every song in the book and what would happen is you know friday night all of the girls would come from on campus and be like hanging around in the band room because the band was practicing and it was you know it was like a concert Mm -hmm. and i mean sometimes cats would have strobe lights and they would turn out all the lights in the band room and we'd be running repertoire the strobe lights blinking i mean it was you know, that's the kind of stuff that would happen when you're all male, band. There were a lot of females that like to be around the band.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, man, I'm just trying to imagine that.
1: Crazy. It was a really cool experience. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, okay. So, you're you're very proud. I know you're a, mem- uh, you're a member of Kappa Kappa Psi. I am. And so, what made you want to become a member?
1: Because I told you, I saw that step show. When I was a senior in high school, and I was like, oh, what about this? I want to do that. Mm-hmm. But as it turned out, when, when I got to Southern in the fall, every single section leader, the band captain, the drum major, everybody was KK Psy. I mean, in the, the way it worked at Southern was when Doc wanted something done, he went to KK Psy. They were the backbone of the fraternity. I mean backbone of the band so if he wanted to move this way or that way he would he would make it happen through kksi so that's where the leaders were and that was the group i wanted to be with
0: okay okay good all right so you know you graduate and what, what's your degree in
1: my degree is in speech communication okay.
0: okay okay so the whole you know the fact that you got heavily heavily involved in iota phi theta so Tell me tell me a little bit about that. Like, I know it's probably a long story because you've done so much. <laughs> but... Not really. Oh, really? Okay.
1: okay. Um, the first thing you got to know, um, a lot of people don't know, I only marched, I was only at Southern for two years. Um, I'm from Chicago.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, I wanted to go be in Southern's band and I wanted to do that thing. And I did it for two years. But unfortunately, the commute got to be a little bit long over time. So after two years of being a Southern, I came home, I stayed out a semester, but then I transferred to Southern Illinois University. And that's where I got my degree from. Um, You know, but certainly have always been, continue to be connected to Southern and the band. I'm a member of the Alumni Association, um, you know, life member of KKSI. But the IOTA thing ties into the band a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I came to college looking for another fraternity because a lot of my friends' fathers had been in this particular organization. I came looking. Um, It was a matter of me turning in the letter I had written for that fraternity. But as it turned out, the semester I pledged KK Psi, that was the semester that IOTA chartered on Southern's campus. And there were 11 guys in the charter group. And out of those 11, five of them were KK Psy. So, you know, and I just watched him doing, you got this new thing. I was like, man, y'all got this new thing. Y'all could do this. Y'all could do that. You can start your own thing. You can can blaze a new trail. You can make all this stuff happen. And I'll never forget, as long as I live, my KK Psy and IOTA Phi Theta brother, Sylvester Williams, um, he's a, a retired technology executive. He looked me in the eye. He said, Dwayne, it's true. We could do all that stuff you just said, or you could pledge IOTA and you could do that stuff yourself. And that turned out to be a challenge I could not walk away from.
0: Wow! So that that's a big that's I didn't realize that that was such a huge reason as to why you did iota, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. and yeah, and then you and then you moved up the ranks, and then you know became so as the executive director. Director, you were actually running the business part of. Of um,
1: IOTA, right? I was I was the chief operating officer, Um right. And the chief executive officer is the national president. So I I mean, what I've been doing this year was my 40th year in IOTA. So I've okay. been executive director, I've been director of marketing, director of technology. I was a charter member of the board of directors. You know, I've been undergraduate brother of the year. I've been graduate brother of the year. I mean, I've I've done a lot inside of IOTA Phi Theta, and IOTA has given me back tenfold what I put in. Right. Um, so, it's been a very enjoyable experience.
0: Right. There's, there's a handful of guys that I know, and I don't want to like name them all because I'll probably leave somebody out by mistake that are both KK Psi and Iota Phi Theta, and they're very like proud of their organizations. That's and I'm, nice. yeah, I'm definitely going to tell them to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so they can hear you. But um, so let's talk about just, I guess, in general, like how your your, your experience marching in Southern, like, do you look back on it and you realize in your career, is that why you do the things you do or how you do the things you do? Do you feel like that's kind of influenced by the band?
1: Well, it's partially influenced by the band and partially influenced by being a musician, okay? There's a whole set of things that being a musician teaches you there's a whole set of things that being a musician that's just a part of who you are and it never ever goes away I mean you know I played trombone in college in high school in college well about 15 years ago I decided I wanted to play bass you know and I have a theory by the way every horn player is a rhythm section wannabe anyway okay <laughs> that's real talk um yeah. and I had you know I, I picked up bass from scratch And, you know, took some private lessons. Next, you know, I started playing in church. I joined a gospel group. We cut a CD. I mean, the whole ball of wax. I mean, once a musician, always a musician. And I want to share something with your listeners, if I might. Um, Matter of fact, I sent you this a little while ago. And and from a musical standpoint, the musicians will understand this. Um, It's called Why Music? Music is a science. Music is mathematical. Music is a foreign language. Music is history. Music is physical education. Music develops insight and demands research. Music is all of these things, but most of all, music is art. This is why we teach music, not because we expect you to major in music, not because we expect you to play or sing all of your life, but so you will be human, so you will recognize beauty, So you will be closer to an infinite beyond this world. So you will have something to cling to. So you will have more love, more compassion, more gentleness, more good, in short,
0: more life. Oh, that's so beautiful. I'm so glad you shared that. Yeah, when I got yeah. that, that email the other day, I was like, wow, this is really good. I I, I pulled it up on my phone. I was like, I'm going to need to like take a screenshot of it and just keep it on my phone just so Absolutely. I can like look at it sometimes.
1: Yeah. And, and that really encapsulates. I mean, and I'm sure as you talk to people who are musicians, they will say that over and over and over again. I mean, the discipline that comes from being a musician. My high school band director, Mr. Brock, used to always say, you can't play a piece without doing some research on it. So he would make us go to the library and find what we could find about musical pieces that we were playing. And what's funny about that is that informs. Um, I don't know if you've ever played the march 650 East. No, um, I 650 East is a big grambling march. They play that all the time. Well, come to find out, 650 East was composed because they, they at the particular university, They built a new band room and the address was 650 East, whatever. But 650 East was written by a trombone player. And if you listen to 650 East and you hear what the trombones are doing, you're like, a trombone player must have written this because it's interesting like that. But Mm -hmm. all of those kind of little things that inform what you're playing the research, all of that, all of that, 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 that type of natural curiosity, that type of inquisitiveness, you'll learn that partially by being a musician and that serves you well, no matter what you do.
0: Okay. Okay. That's, that's, yeah, that's good stuff. So and just in closing, I do mm-hmm. want to talk about like, you know, you, you were called to minister, mm-hmm. so, you know, you're, you're a minister and mm-hmm. I have a podcast that talks about, well, you, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you talk about it. Well, let me
1: start with the notion that I told y'all that um, I played bass in church. That was kind of my bargain with God. I was like, well, God, if if I play bass in church, will that make it okay for me to not accept my call to ministry? And God was like, no, Jack, um, I got work for you to do. And I accepted my call to ministry specifically with the call to minister to the needs of educated black men. You know, we, we, we do a lot of work for our at risk brothers and that's fine. I get that brothers who've been in jail and brothers who this, that, nothing. I get that. But the world tends to look at educated brothers, successful brothers. They look at the business cards and the suits and the cars and the houses and the job titles and figure that those brothers don't need ministry and nothing could be farther from the truth. You know, when you're existing in that space, it's a whole different kind of thing. I, I I had one of the guests on my podcast tell me new levels, new devils. And because it's a whole different set of thing, my podcast is called the corporate minister and it's the corporate com, just like it sounds. And I talk about it as a safe place for the hearts and minds of educated men of color. Um, one of the things I tell people all the time is if you take the average black man who is not in a fraternity or who's not in church, he has no quality relationships with other black men. So who does he call when he's sitting on the edge of the bed um, at three o'clock in the morning with a pistol in his hand? And we all know about that brother. And my thing is that, you know, God has a word. Come to me, all you that labor, and I will give you what? rest Rest. Mm -hmm. and that's really what I feel my calling is in ministry so I focus very heavily on that and my podcast addresses that and you know most people that go there find something that they're blessed by again that's www.thecorporateminister.com
0: okay well I'm definitely gonna I'm gonna put that link in the podcast notes too so that people will be able to access that but it has been so good talking with you Dwayne I feel (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) You know, there was a period of time that we had, like, stopped talking. I mean, it wasn't anything bad, but Mm -hmm. life happened. That's what it is. You know, it was just, it's really good to to catch up with you again.
1: (laughs) Dr. Walker. Dr. Walker, I am pleased and honored to be a guest on your show. You know, I can't think of anybody that loves HBCU bands more than you do. And I wish you just all the success and just all the good things that I know are going to come out of this podcast venture. And thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much, my friend. You have listened to the HBCU Band Experience with Christy Walker. Interviews and editing conducted by yours truly, Dr. Christy Walker. The music is District 4 by Kevin McLeod, And you can find this podcast on HBCU hbcubandexperience.podbean.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Take care.